It's tough to come up with one sermon. If you're just going to be up here one week, it's tough to come up with a topic for one week. What do you want to talk about? So what I usually do is I try to think about things that maybe we don't hear very often, preach from the pulpit, and things especially that I'm in need of, the things that I'm the worst at is usually what I end up uh, speaking about, and that's true of, of this week too. I actually got my inspiration for this week's uh, lesson from Joel Oswalt's class on Wednesday night. I know a number of you are in that class. Uh, we just got through studying the letters of John. Uh, interesting study, but 2 John includes sort of this peculiar passage. In, in verse 9 it says, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. And then 3 John has sort of a, another peculiar verse, uh, set of verses. He says, Beloved, it's the faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they've gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. See, there are two passages in back-to-back -back books by John that talk about hospitality. In one verse, he says, don't show it. He says, don't show hospitality to false teachers. And then the next book, he says, show hospitality. He says, show hospitality to the workers of the truth. So why was hospitality such a big thing that John discussed it twice in two little letters? He made a big point in both letters. More importantly, if it was that big of a deal to John, why don't we really talk about hospitality today? By show of hands, how many of you have heard a sermon that you can remember, doesn't count if you say, I think I heard one, um, if you, that you can remember on hospitality and our Christian duty to show hospitality? Well, Eric was in first service. He's raising his hand. He didn't, that didn't count. Uh, but a handful of you, but not a whole lot of you. We just really don't talk about it. I think we're really not even aware, frankly, of what hospitality is, what it looks like, much less what our duty as Christians is to show uh, hospitality. So let's start by talking about what hospitality is not because we misuse the word hospitality so much in our culture, so much in just our common speech that I think we've really watered down the meaning of hospitality. So when you hear the word hospitality, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Now I bet a bunch of you are thinking Southern hospitality, right? We use that phrase a lot, and as a region, really, we're very proud of our Southern hospitality. I just had a conversation about this very thing uh, a couple of weeks ago. I don't know how many of you have been to the new butcher shop on, uh, on Garden Street called Tallgrass Meat. Those guys moved here from Kansas to open a butcher shop in Columbia, Tennessee, for all things. But I, in talking to them, I said, hey, is there anything that surprised you about moving here. He said, yeah, there is something. He said, I'd heard all my life living in the Midwest about Southern hospitality, but frankly, we Midwesterners just think it's a myth because we pride ourselves in hospitality as Midwesterners too. And then I moved here to Columbia 
And it's like I didn't even meet a stranger. Everybody was talkative. Everybody wanted to welcome me to the community. I just felt so welcome. So that was, that's great. But really, Southern hospitality, as we use that word, is not a whole lot more than just politeness. Right? It means that we hold the door open for the person behind us instead of like in New York City if you ever expect somebody to hold the door open you're going to get the door in your face uh, but we hold the door open for each other around here we might speak to one another in a grocery store line um, you might ask if somebody moves to town and says hey who's the best pediatrician in town you might say hey it's Wade Denny it's, it's stuff like that that we do here that other people don't do in other regions but do you think that's what John was talking about? When he talks about hospitality, was he just talking about politeness when he warns his readers not to be hospitable to false teachers? And he tells them, you are to show hospitality to teachers of the truth? Southern hospitality is not the true hospitality that John writes about. Some of you might not be from around here. So Southern hospitality is not the first thing you think of when you hear the term hospitality. Maybe you think about um, the hospitality industry. We use that phrase. In fact, some of you may work in downtown Nashville like my dad does, and that may be the first thing that comes to your mind because it's everywhere in downtown. There are hotels and restaurants and, and bars and, and entertainment venues all over the place, and that's what the hospitality industry really is. It's, it's a name for people who get paid to welcome you to a city. But is that what John's talking about? Is he talking about, is he talking to people who get paid to welcome these preachers? I, I think he's actually saying the opposite. He's talking about you taking care of their needs, not them paying you. He's, saying, he's talking to people um, who, who should take care of teachers, not the other way around. So hospitality is bigger than a regional politeness, and it's bigger than a big business industry. So what is hospitality? I found this definition in the dictionary, that hospitality is the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, or strangers. I think that's a pretty good definition of what John was talking about here in his letter. Hospitality means you are friendly and welcoming. Hospitality is certainly generous because we see that over and over in 2 and 3 John about being generous. And it has to do with receiving and entertaining others. And it relates to people that you don't know. Guests, visitors, and strangers. This is not talking about how you treat your inner circle of friends. Now, I think some of you out here in the crowd that are in what I'll call the older generation, uh, those of you mid-60s and up, may have grown up being better at this. Right? You probably remember the days where people would have Sunday dinner for people who were visiting. Right? I can remember we moved around a lot uh, when I was a kid, and when we would come to a new church, there'd often be people lined up to have us over for Sunday lunch. And in fact, I met some of my best friends in those places by that. I could, I could embarrass my parents by telling a lot of stories about when I was a kid, when I remember them being hospitable to others from from, you know, one that comes to my mind is we had uh, a group of Japanese tourists got stranded in Dallas when we lived out there, and we had some of them into our home. Uh, so that older generation got this, and believe it or not, the younger generation, those of you who are in your 20s, I see this in your generation a lot. You get this. I've seen a lot of couples that really don't have a whole lot of money, but they open up their homes, 
And they make a meal for their friends and invite them in. But it's those of us in the middle, maybe, who have dropped the ball. Those of us in our 30s and 40s and 50s don't really do a very good job. And we could say, well, it's because we, we, everything we got going on, we got all our kids and whatever. The older generation found out a way to make it work. So it's not that. So why are we, especially those of us sort of in that, the, that middle age category, not better at hospitality? I want to take a few minutes and consider that. Um, for one, our society doesn't value hospitality. Societally, we don't value hospitality. Society tells you over and over and over, you're bombarded with messages that you are to hoard everything you have and not share anything. You don't share your money, you don't share your house, you don't share your time. We live in a go to work, work as long as you can, leave work, rush home, lock the door, stay behind locked door until in the morning kind of society. Gone are the days where your neighbor's going to bake you a pie and come over on your front porch and eat it with you. That doesn't happen anymore. Um, our society just doesn't value hospitality like that. Secondly, and relatedly, we value privacy over hospitality. In order for me to be hospitable, I have to invest time with you. I have to get to know you. And maybe more scary than that, I have to let you get to know me. And I don't want that to happen. Because if you get to know me, you might see the flaws come out behind that Sunday morning church mask. You might get to see the real me. You might get to see the me that is impatient and the me that has a bad temper. And my amen corner is right over here on, on that. Um, the boys are, are probably wanting to stand up and say amen. Um, you might get to see that part of me, and I don't want you to know that part of my life. See, my desire for privacy trumps my interest in being hospitable. Third, we aren't very good at hospitality because, really, we just don't make it a priority. That's true even within the church we don't make it a priority. We make it a priority to talk about Jesus. We make it a priority to at least talk about showing love. But we don't make it a priority to be hospitable. That is, welcoming and generous to strangers. We do a little bit better job welcoming our friends and those people who are just like us. But I'm talking about strangers, people who are brand new. But finally, we aren't good about hospitality because we don't discuss it. We talk about all kinds of commands in the New Testament. But we just simply don't discuss hospitality as a requirement of us as a Christian. And maybe the reason we don't discuss it more is because we really don't understand what the Bible teaches about hospitality. But we're going to remedy that this morning. If we don't do anything else, we are going to see what the Bible teaches about hospitality. So if you like to follow along in your Bibles or on your Bible app, you might want to get it out. I'm going to go pretty quick. But it's there in your um, handout. The, the list of verses are there in your handout if you want to follow along. They'll be on the screen behind me if you don't want to follow along. But I, I wanted to make sure I provided all the, the verses so that you can go home and look at this in your own time uh, as well. The first verse I want to look at is the one I referenced earlier in the, third John, in the letter of 3 John, verses 5 through 8. Now, this is mostly a really positive book. This is a very encouraging book. Um, with one exception, John rebukes Diotrephes, who he basically says is totally self-centered. But other than that, it's pretty much a positive book written to a guy named Gaius 
and who, who John really thinks a lot of. And one thing that John commends him on is his hospitality. Look at verses 5 through 8. Beloved, it's a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they've gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. See, John commends Gaius for loving and supporting strangers who came through town on a journey. Uh, in context, I think what John is really doing is commending Gaius for supporting preachers. They were traveling ministers. And John was, uh, Gaius was obviously putting them up and taking care of them, feeding them, maybe even sending them money uh, on their way. So remember, because remember at that time there weren't Hampton Inns, okay? You couldn't put the visiting preacher out at the, at the hotel on the interstate. The, the motels in the first century were pretty shady places. They had diseases and bed bugs and all kinds of stuff like that. And people just didn't like to stay at hotels. But Gaius took care of these traveling ministers. He welcomed them into his home, I think, uh, fed them, sent them on their way, maybe with a little traveling money. And this hospitality caught John's attention. So I mentioned earlier that this verse in 3 John was what made me start thinking about the topic of hospitality. But it's hardly the Bible's only reference to hospitality. In fact, God's commands for us to be hospitable go way back in the Bible, like almost to the beginning way back of the Bible. Let's look at Deuteronomy, uh, I'm sorry, Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus 19, verses 33 and 34. This is an old command. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and, ye shall and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Now, anytime you hear, I am the Lord your God, Think about that as an exclamation mark, okay? Um, that's the writer's way of saying this is important. Um, but I want you to see a few things from this verse in Leviticus. First, I want you to note that this isn't one of those, you could do this if you want to. You can welcome them if it's convenient to you and if they look just like you and if it's not too much of a hassle and if your house is big enough, then you can welcome them, okay? It's not that sort of a verse. This is a command. You shall treat strangers as if they're one of you. You shall love them as yourselves. Second, I don't want you to miss this. Why does God command his people to be hospitable? Because we're going to look at hospitality in the New Testament too. So why in the Old Testament does God command people to be hospitable? The reason is because he said you were there too. You were once strangers just like these people are strangers. We should have empathy with strangers even today. Surely you can remember back on a time that you were a misfit or a newcomer or a stranger in a group of people. How'd you feel? Do you remember the first person that came up and made you feel welcome? How did that feel? See, God says don't forget what it's like to be a stranger because you've been there too. Make strangers feel like they're one of you. Now Paul continues this theme of calling on us to remember what it's like to be a stranger in his letter to the Ephesians. Um, look at Ephesians chapter 2 
verses 11 and 12. Ephesians 2, 11 and 12. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Can you remember a time where you felt alienated from God's people? Do you remember a time where you felt hopeless? If not, it's coming, okay? Everybody experiences that. Do you remember how lonely that was? Do you remember how much you just needed the touch of God's people? The attention of God himself? This is why hospitality is so important. You never know when a kind word or a small gesture might give a stranger some hope and thereby some connection to God. You never know when a small act of generosity might be something bigger than anything we can comprehend in this world. Remember that what Jesus said. He told us we are to feed the hungry. He told us we are to clothe the naked, to visit those who are in prison. Because what? When we did those things to somebody else, to the least of these, we were doing it to him. The writer of Hebrews tells us that showing hospitality to strangers can actually uh, have other sort of heavenly impacts. Let's look at Hebrews 13, 1 and 2. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some of you have entertained angels unawares. Now, we talk about this verse a lot, right? But we talk about this because we say, oh, I wonder if I've ever seen an angel. What does that mean? Are there angels here? Are you an angel? Am I an angel? Would I know it if I were an angel? That, that's the kind of stuff we talk about, right? And I love talking about that and hypothesizing about all that too. Okay? But I don't want us to miss the message here. There are two commands in this verse that sometimes get crowded out by all these thoughts of the supernatural. Uh, Hebrews tells us, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. That's a command. It means do it. You show hospitality to strangers. But look what the writer ties it to. Look why he says we are to show hospitality. He ties it to love. He said let brotherly love continue. And then he answers the question that everybody has, which is how do we do that? And he says, he says it's by showing hospitality to strangers. Have you ever thought of hospitality as being a necessary element of love? We throw around that word a lot, right? We, we talk about love and we say, oh yeah, I love everybody. I love even strangers. I love people that don't like me. Um, do you? It's awfully hard for you to love someone if you aren't willing to spend time with them. It's awfully hard for you to love someone if you aren't willing to sit down and have a meal with them. It's awfully hard to love someone if, in certain circumstances, you don't invite them into your home and share your home with them. Paul also ties love to hospitality over in Romans chapter 12. This is probably the passage that we think of most when we think of hospitality, Romans 12, 9 through 13. So we're going to spend just a minute looking at those verses. Romans 12, verse 9 says, Let love be genuine. Have o'er what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. 
Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. You see some of the concepts that Paul uses in that scripture? Things like love, goodness, honor, service, hope, patience, prayer, contribution. And look what he puts with that group. Hospitality. Hospitality shows up along some of these things that we would consider core tenets of the Christian faith. But we don't talk about it for some reason. These other uh, core terms show up even in 1 Corinthians 13, the, the chapter that we really use to define love, but we don't talk about hospitality as being a major calling as, for us as Christians. I want to share one final verse with you to show you the close nexus between love and hospitality. Look over at 1 Peter 4, verses 8 and 9. I've got both the ESV and the RSV on the, on the screen. I usually read from the ESV. Um, the ESV reads this way, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. I really like that. When you, sh when you love each other earnestly, you're going to show hospitality without grumbling. Now, does that step on anybody else's toes other than mine? That we are to show hospitality without grumbling. How many of you, I'm not going to ask you to show of hands. How many of you, though, when home Bible study sign-ups come around, you're always signing up, you want, you're saying, oh yeah, I'm willing to do that in uh, May. Right? We, we always want to sign up for the last one, and we say, but I'm going to be really excited about it when it gets here. But what happens? That Sunday afternoon, I'm sure I'm not the only one that does this. That Sunday afternoon, you're scrambling around, you're throwing stuff out of the way, you're trying to clean the beds off and act like people actually live there. Um, and, and you're grumbling the whole time. You're saying, why in the world did I ever sign up to do this? What was I thinking, right? So I'm not very good at showing hospitality but even in those times that I do, I tend to grumble about it. I also want you to see the Revised Standard Version, how it interprets this verse. It's on the screen as well. Above all, hold unfailing your love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Practice hospitality ungrudgingly to one another. Did you catch that? We are to practice showing hospitality ungrudgingly. Practicing hospitality. See, hospitality is a spiritual discipline, just like anything else we might come up with. Prayer, joy, peace, patience, all those are spiritual disciplines, and we have to practice at them to get good. So if we want to be good at following the command to be hospitable, it takes practice. So with the few minutes we have here um, today, I want us to think about some ways that you and I here at West 7th Street Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee, where God has planted us, okay? How can we show hospitality? After all, a study on spiritual disciplines is not very good without some tips on how to improve. Otherwise, it just dies here. Um, because not many of us are going to have the opportunity to house a traveling preacher like John was talking about. But there are some practical ways that we can practice hospitality right here and right now. I came up with a few. First is simple. Try to greet people 
at church. Try to greet people at church. Do you remember the first time you came to this church? And some of you are saying, yes, it's today, right? Um, but do you, those of you who are members, do you remember the first time? Some of you say no because I was born here. Um, but some of us remember what it's like. I know I do. I remember the first time I ever came to church here. I'm going to just be honest with you. I was totally intimidated. I felt like I was the youngest person here. Everybody was dressed better than I was dressed. Um, Brandy had just had Derek, and so I was dragging Philip along to church who didn't want to go somewhere where he didn't know people. He was two years old, and I, I was trying to wrangle him and keep him quiet in the seat. Uh, and then don't even get me started on the catacombs that are out here uh, to get to classes. I mean, you can get lost for a week out here in this building. I was totally lost, totally alone, and totally frustrated until something happened. Jerry and Shirley Oakley said hello, introduced themselves, and asked me if I wanted to sit with them. Such a small gesture on their part, but such a big difference for me. See, you never know when your friendly words, your kind gesture of just asking somebody to sit with you, might make a big difference in somebody's life. I know what you're thinking. You're saying, well, we have two services now, so I have no idea who all goes to church here. And I'm going to embarrass myself if I go up and introduce myself to somebody and they say, well, I've been here for 15 years. Then I'll feel humiliated, okay? But can we all just agree, we understand that's the case. Can we all just agree today that if somebody comes up and introduces themselves and you've been here for 25 years, that you're not going to get offended? Let's just nod our heads this way. Okay, not yes. We're all going to agree that. So it's not a big deal. That excuse is out. You can go introduce yourself to new people and greet people at church. Maybe you might want to find somebody your own age to say hi to. You might want to ask about their family, invite them to class or invite them to sit with you. Or maybe you want to find somebody who's sitting all alone at church. Or somebody who, like me the first time I came, is lost in the hallways out there grabbing a kid and trying to wrangle kids and keep them quiet. Whoever it is that you feel called to talk to, just show kindness to somebody, because just like Leviticus says, you were once a stranger here too. The second practical way for us to practice hospitality is to invite somebody into your home. I know what you're thinking. You're saying, Philip, I was with you until that part. I might be able to get on board with letting somebody sit next to me at church, but no way am I going to have somebody into that chaos that I call home. But you can do it. I got news for you. Nobody cares how big or small your house is. Nobody cares how many toddler toys you have around that people trip, might trip on. Nobody cares that you still have that ratty, stinky old couch that you had in college. Okay? Nobody cares that there's cat hair on the rug. Nobody cares about that. What they care about is spending time and getting to know you. Will you invite somebody over? for a meal after church sometime. Or maybe if you have kids that play ball games, find the new family at school and ask them if they want to come over for a snack or something after, after the ball game. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. It can be whatever you are planning to make. And take it from somebody with a food allergy, okay? I'm really picky because I have a food allergy. It's not a big deal. If you have somebody over and they don't like anything you're cooking or they can't eat anything because they have a wheat allergy, so what? You know what? There's a Jersey Mike's on the way back. They have, they have gluten-free bread. So it'll be okay. You'll get to spend time with them 
in the meantime. It's not about the food. A third suggestion is how we might practice hospitality. Invite an underprivileged person to share a meal with you. I don't know about you, but it becomes too easy, a little thoughtless for me to hand a $10 bill to somebody who's out on the street, hungry and homeless. But what about spending time to take them to McDonald's and share a meal with them? Maybe that gives you a chance to get to know them. Maybe that gives you a chance to pray for them and find out something about their lives. How much of an impact might that make? See, you see there, there are a lot of agencies out there that take care of physical needs. But only the church takes care of spiritual needs. Only the church offers love and hope. They're not going to get that from the government. They're only going to get that from the church. How might that change the day or even the life of a homeless person? How might that change your day or your life if you just showed a simple act of kindness? If you're following along in the little uh, thing in the bulletin, you'll see there's a fourth blank. That one's all on you. What ways can you think of to show hospitality? Let your creativity and imagination work about how you, in your life, might show hospitality to others. Maybe it's something that you can do for your classmates. Or maybe it's something that you can do for a fellow employee. Maybe you can think of something that you'd like to do for a neighbor to show hospitality. Or a friend that you haven't seen in a long time that's really not part of your circle anymore. In what unique way can you carry out God's command to be hospitable? As we wrap up here, I hope you've learned something this morning. I hope you've learned that hospitality is more than just saying hello to someone in a store. I hope you've learned that this is a command, and it's a command tied to love. It's not something that's just optional if you have a big house or you like to cook. This is a command for everybody. I hope you remember back on times when you were a stranger and the way you felt and think of a way that you could make feel, people feel more comfortable in your world, in your scope of influence. And most of all, I hope you don't let this lesson die here in this auditorium. I hope you take it with you. I hope it changes the way you interact with people. Because you know what this church would look like if we did this? Can you imagine what an impact we could make if we truly did all the things I talked about this morning? Let me tell you something. The pews wouldn't hold them because people are hungry for relationships. We wouldn't be able to fit people in two services. Forget about two services. We had to go four services if we, had, if we really all acted the way we talked about this morning. The church would be a lot more diverse. We'd have people from all areas of this county. We'd have people from all walks of life. We'd have rich people. We'd have poor people and everything in between if we showed this kind of hospitality. But more importantly, I think if we showed this kind of hospitality we'd look a lot like the first century church that was described in Acts 2. Remember what it said? It said they had all things in common. If we showed hospitality to one another like this, and we had all things in common, can you imagine that? Can you imagine what a difference that could make in this community? I think that's a great goal for this church, to be so hospitable, to love each other so deeply, that we have all things in common. 
Christ's invitation is always open for you. If you're a newcomer, if you're a stranger in this area, we'd love to welcome you. We'd love to show you Christ's hospitality and shower you with love. If you're here this morning, and maybe you're a regular, but you feel lonely, even in this crowd. Maybe you feel separated from God and you have all these burdens on your back. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to help you unburden yourself. Or maybe you've been studying God's Word and you're ready to put on Christ in baptism. Whatever your needs are this morning, come forward as we stand and sing this song.